Pachango. This is Chris, and uh, this is, uh, what is it, Roma number, or where is it, Roma number 71, episode 595 of the podcast. Seemed like it was time for a Roma, because I got so many, so many notes floating around, so many post-it notes stuck to my computer, uh, I've got documents, it's weird. I, I mean, does anyone keep their lives organized? I guess some people do. Is But to have your shit really organized, is that... Like, do you have to be mentally ill in some way to actually get around to that? I've got notes in 15 different places. I've got notes on post-it notes. I've got notebooks. I've got scraps of paper in a pile on the corner of my desk. I've got stuff in Google Keep. I've got stuff on Apple Notes. I've got stuff in Scrivener. Uh, I send myself emails that I forget about. Uh, anyway, let's let's talk about some stuff that's uh, on here. This is going to be one of those episodes where the first part is... Available to everyone, <laughs> excuse me, uh, first half hour or so. And then everything beyond that will be behind the paywall, which also allows me to play some music and uh, and do some things that um, I don't have to worry about because when it's behind the paywall, apparently it doesn't go up on Spotify, so you don't get all that weird algorithmic nonsense coming from Spotify. So that's, that's what it's going to be. Welcome to 2024. Like many other people, I, uh, you know, sort of assess things at the beginning of the year and I've got some ideas for new things that I'd like to do on the podcast. I'm thinking of putting together some kind of like a political roundtable kind of thing uh, to talk about what's happening this year because it's going to be a pivotal year in in not just a, it's weird to talk about politics. Those of you who are younger of younger generations might not remember a time when politics wasn't uh, as deeply enmeshed with culture as it is now. I was going to say something like, you know, we're going to talk about politics and culture. Um, and, and it occurred to me that those things are inextricably enmeshed at this point. It's really difficult to imagine American culture in 2024 without reference to what's going on politically. And um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to put together some people to talk about that. I'm, I'm sort of making lists and checking them twice and reaching out to folks now. So I'll let you know how that goes. It'll probably be a written thing rather than uh, we might, maybe we'll do a zoom thing if everybody could be available. I'm thinking like me and two other people and have like a, 
you know, rotating depending who's available and who's, who's into it. Um, I've got some folks in mind, but if there's anyone that you would particularly like to hear from on a regular basis, uh, who, you know, that I'm in touch with, send me your suggestions. I'm always happy to hear suggestions. Uh, I'm at that Chris Ryan at gmail.com. Also, uh, send me your, uh, intro snippets. If you have some of those uh, or whatever else you feel like sending me. Given the chaos that I talked about earlier, I can't promise I'll get back to you. I can't promise I'll uh, follow up on your suggestions, but I will read the email. I read all the emails eventually, even if it sometimes takes me weeks, as it has recently. We had some friends visiting, sort of um, waves of friends visiting recently. So I've fallen behind on stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's one idea for the new year. Uh, and I will tell you about other ideas as we move forward. So I've been thinking about several different issues that, that I wanted to address before I get into them though. Let me just say, do you snore? Do you know someone who snores? Because if you do, you should really look into obstructive sleep apnea. I've talked about this before. I made a point of talking about it last time I was on Joe Rogan's podcast. It's kind of a public service announcement uh, that I feel is really important because I think sleep apnea is probably one of the most underdiagnosed conditions of our age. And there's some stigma around it. There's some shame around it. Uh, you know, it's associated with being overweight. It's, uh, you know, a sign of aging. It's, uh, you know, there's some body shame uh, resonance with the issue, if you'll pardon the sort of obscure resonance pun. Um, but it's really, it's no nonsense. It's nothing to fuck around with because... Essentially, what you're doing if you have sleep apnea and you're not treating it is you are depriving your brain and every cell in your body of oxygen because you're suffocating. And you're suffocating sometimes 10, 15, 18 seconds, not breathing. And then what happens is your body starts to go into a panic and you begin to wake up. And once you wake up, it triggers the waking reflexes that get you breathing again. Um, the problem is that those waking reflexes go into standby mode when you're asleep and your sleeping reflexes aren't enough to tell you to roll over or turn, change your position or whatever so that you can breathe again. So basically you're putting your body through many events, many traumatic, um, episodes per night. When I got tested, uh, which was super easy. They gave me a thing to take home. It's like a, you know, one of those chest monitors that you just stick to your chest. There's a thing to put on my finger, you know, blood oxygen monitor, just sort of clips on the end of your finger. I don't remember if there was, if there was another sensor, but, but it was no big deal. It was, you know, tape it to your chest tape, stick it to your finger and go to sleep. Um, Anyway, they told me that I think it was anything over, you know, there's like 
10 episodes to 15 is is minor, 15 to 25 is moderate, and 25 and higher is severe. So that's episodes per hour. And an episode, I think, is considered like when you stop breathing for more than, I don't know, five or 10 seconds. Um, I had 76, I think. So 25 is severe. I had three times that. I was fucked up. I mean, my mouth was so dry. It was like I had, you know, I dumped an ashtray in my mouth when I woke up in the morning. That fucks up your teeth because your teeth are protected by saliva. And when you don't have enough saliva covering your teeth at night, you get cavities, you can get gum disease, you can get all this shit. Um, I was drowsy as fuck during the day. I thought it was cool that I could just lie down and fall asleep right away. It wasn't cool. It wasn't like I was relaxed. It was I was sleep deprived. How many accidents, traffic accidents are caused because you're dozing off, you're not fully alert? Uh, you know, how many marriages are getting fucked up because you're irritable because you haven't slept well? Uh, or the person you're sleeping with isn't sleeping well because they're listening to you gag and gasp and, you know, sputter all night. Um, it's a serious thing. It's, it's associated with stroke, heart disease, diabetes, anxiety, you know, look it up. All kinds of really serious shit is much more likely to happen if you're suffering from sleep apnea. I'm not making any money from this. This isn't sponsored by any sleep apnea company. Um, but I'm just telling you because I care about you and I know this is way more common than most people realize, uh, that it's really worth looking into and it's, it's not hard. It's not expensive. And if you do have sleep apnea, you can get a CPAP machine. If you have insurance, it's covered by insurance. If you don't, they're like 700 bucks and it solves the problem for most people. That's it. It solves the problem. And you sleep through the night. It's got an air filter and a little humidifier thing. So you're getting, you know, filtered the right humidity. Everything's worked out. You can set the pressure. Um, it's awesome. And there aren't many serious life-threatening diseases that you can, like, get a test overnight, get a machine, and boom, you're done. Problem solved. So if you do have this problem or you know someone who you think might have this problem, I really encourage you to look into it. It's an easy fix. And, you know, why the fuck not, right? Let's fix the stuff that's easy to fix. Why not? All right. So I was thinking about uh, deep fake porn. Well, listen to me while I pull this apnea note off my computer. And I'm going to crumple it up. I have spoken about apnea, which is something I wanted to do. Uh, deep fake porn. Let's move on to deep fake porn. What about that? So I've been reading all this stuff, and I admit I actually uh, I googled, I found some deep fake porn websites, and it raises a very interesting conundrum because you know the article that I that first sort of alerted me to this was. Uh, I forget who it was. It was, a, you know, someone working in an office or a teacher. I don't, I don't know, but just a sort of normal 
woman who some friend of hers sent her an image of her doing porn. And she had never done porn. And, you know, she kind of looked at it and was like, that's not my body either, but that is my face. What the fuck? And, you know, it opened up a can of worms that essentially with AI, you can put anyone's face onto anyone's body and create this porn situation. So the question legally becomes really complicated because is that an invasion of privacy? Is that by creating this image, this, this moving image, this video of your next door neighbor having sex with, you know, Rocco Sifredi or whatever, are you invading your neighbor's privacy? That's not actually your neighbor having sex with Rocco, but it sure looks like it. And, you know, maybe you're getting off on it because it looks like it, because you've got these fantasies about your neighbor. But what are the legal limitations on this? It's, it's as if we've taken personal imagination and uploaded it to the internet, right? Because nobody could stop you from imagining your neighbor having sex. But now you can upload that imagination and other people can join in. Very strange. It, 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 I really don't know where to come down on that uh, legally. Um, because I can certainly understand why a person seeing that image would be upset. But if it's not, I mean, it's her face. Yeah. So I guess we should each have some kind of control over how our faces are used, but we don't, right? I mean, that's the whole, that's why Google Photos is free, people, because they're scanning all those faces, and they're using them for whatever the fuck they want. So we're losing control of our faces, of our image, of our voice. God knows, you know, there's already technology out there that's scanned my voice from all these podcast episodes and can have me saying anything. So if you ever hear me saying anything really fucking weird online, maybe that's not me. Maybe I never said it. They just sampled my voice and... There you go. And I know that's possible because even I can do that uh, with the simple tools available to me. Uh, Descript is a, is a podcast editing tool where you it'll sample your voice and then you can type in some words and it'll have you say those words. So when, you know, I'm not using it anymore, but for a while I was using it and I saw that that was an editing tool. That if I said, if I, you know was talking about something and, and got the year wrong, I could go to the transcript, change the year in the text, and it would automatically insert my voice saying the correct year into the audio file. So that's available, you know, for $9.99 a month to consumers. Imagine what's available to, you know, people who are super into this stuff. Uh, it's incredible. So, so the question is, is this, um, infringement on our freedom 
Or, now here's another way to look at it, is this technology, this, this I hate to use the word advance, but this development, this uh, evolution, is this uh, an enhancement of our freedom in a way? Because what it does is it starts to make fake and real indistinguishable so that if a video, an embarrassing video were to, you know, someone hacks into your secret porn you know, not even, you know, you got sex files of yourself and making whoopee with your partner or something. And they upload that. Deniability becomes universal. You can just say, that's not me. That's some, that's some fake shit. It becomes impossible to know what's true and what isn't true, which seems to be a theme of 2024, right? What is true? What isn't true? We're losing the the thread there. We're losing the distinction. And uh, it used to be seeing is believing, uh, not anymore. I don't know what constitutes proof. If you've never heard of or seen a film called Rashomon, I highly recommend it. It's it's, um, directed by Kurosawa, I think. I might be getting his name wrong. Great Japanese director. And um, it's in black and white. It's definitely one of those films that, you know, is to be studied. It, it's not uh, It's not about entertainment. It's about an idea. And the idea is an event happens, an attack, um, and you see this thing happen, and then you realize that you're seeing the memory from the perspective of one of the people who was attacked. And then the film happens again, same event, but from the perspective of someone else and then someone else and then someone else and then someone else. I don't remember how many different perspectives are presented in the film, but it's a fascinating look at how all perception is shaped by perspective and how unavoidable that is. Uh, I'm thinking about that because I just had a situation unfold with some people that I know and it kind of went down in a way where I was quite, and I am quite sure of what happened from my perspective but when I talked to the other people about it, um, you know, I, I thought that this guy was pissed off and he was acting aggressively and that, you know, he, there were certain things he said and certain, you know, movements and behaviors that, that left me with the impression like, whoa, this guy got really pissed off and kind of lost his shit there. And okay, I don't want to be around that. Uh, I'm done with this. And then when the person was like, hey, what what happened? And I said what happened. Then the other person's like, "Mm, that's not how I felt. That's not what I experienced. 
And you, you get into this interesting situation where it's like, well, I want to respect other people's experience. I, I And I want to acknowledge that we're all perceiving reality from a perspective that shapes our experience. But I don't want to let go of... Um, you know, it can't be totally up in the air. It can't be totally, um, you know, everything is so open to perception that, that nothing beca- nothing is real, that you start to doubt your own sanity. Um, because there are a lot of people who are taking advantage of this liquid nature of perception and will gaslight the fuck out of you. And it's an interesting thing because I think your vulnerability to that kind of manipulation is directly proportional to your decency and humility as a person. Um, and so it's not something that you want to to eliminate in yourself. It's not something that you want to harden yourself against because doubt is an expression of humility and humility is key to wisdom, to love, to community, to all the good things in life. And so if you, you know, I I always say on this podcast that certainty is the thing that scares me the most. Certainty is the thing that's unforgivable. I, If someone says to me, you know, I think the earth is flat. I'm, fa- I, I'm fascinated. I want to talk with that person. I want to hear. But if someone says to me, you fucking idiot, the earth is flat. I don't want to talk to that person. Fuck that guy. Because he's certain. I want to talk with someone who has the humility to say, Look, here's my experience. Maybe it's not 100% accurate. Maybe it's shaped by my past. Maybe it's shaped by things that I wasn't aware of. Maybe it's limited. Of course, it's limited. That's a person I'm interested in interacting with. 